0: Again, let me extend my welcome to you all this morning. Hope you're enjoying being with us. If you could take your seats. It's great to see you. My name's Matt. It's my privilege now to speak to you for the next few minutes. Again, let me extend my welcome to you. I hope you're enjoying your time with us, and I trust that you're hearing God's voice. And if you're not a a believer this morning, you're very welcome, and I, I trust that what I say this morning might help all of us today. So if you've got a Bible... Could you turn in Luke, to Luke chapter 7? There's some Bibles on the side as well. Let's try and get the Bible open in front of us. In fact, let's just raise your Bible up nice and high. Let me see who's got a Bible with you this morning. Come on, let me see. That's it. Good, good. Let's, I know you've got a phone. A phone's fine. A phone is fine. I've got no problem. Just, just you know, try me self-control. Don't go on WhatsApp and start faffing around because you'll get distracted. So let's get our Bibles open to Luke chapter 7. Let's look at God's Word together. Let me pray as I begin. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence with us today. We thank you. Thank you so much for your mercy toward us. Thank you. Thank you, we can gather here today on this peaceful day, this day where we're not fearful. So many around the world are fearful. We thank you for peace. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather to worship freely. We thank you, Lord the riches that we enjoy so much. Thank you, Lord. And I pray as we look at your word together, would you speak to us, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us into the depths of our being, would you speak to us, Holy Spirit, for the glory of God, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at this event where Jesus is anointed, or this, this woman who's called a sinful woman, probably a prostitute, had been a prostitute probably. She's called a sinful woman and she pours perfume on Jesus' feet, dries it with her hair, pours tears over her, his feet. I love what Susie began with from Psalm 104 and she went on to say there's no, there's no restraint here. There's no restraint in it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my most being, praise his holy name. And the idea of worship and how we are called to worship God. But this woman sets us this example of exuberant, overflowing welcome to Christ as he welcomes her. And it's going to be. There's too much to say, but I trust that the Holy Spirit's going to help us this morning to. Get closer to, to see Jesus' heart for us, but also to have a, get, a, a greater heart for him as well. When I was, I don't know how old, I, I guess I would have been 10. It was um, Charles and Diana's wedding. Does any of you remember Charles and Diana's wedding? Just raise your hand. Yeah, some of you are too young, aren't you, to remember that? But it's, it was one of those events, a moment in, in history in British history, where you were all watching the television. I had a black and white television in those days. I had a black and white TV all growing up, actually. And um, just watching this TV, watching the wedding. But around that time, down the road, they had a street party. And uh, did, did you go? any of you go to a street party at that time? Yes? And I got a little mug. Charles and Diana's wedding mug. And... Um, I don't know what happened to it, but I, anyway, I had this lo- lovely mug that was in the cupboard that you couldn't use, couldn't touch it. But it was my mug. Um, and but this is what happened: I went down the road, and um, we lived at the top of the hill, overlooking. It's such a in Hastings. This was it's such a great view over over Hastings and the and Hastings Castle, and you could see the the sea at the, in the distance, and um, such a beautiful view. And, but I, I, we lived in the council houses, okay, which means social housing, and, um, but this, 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 this street party was happening down the road in the posher end of this, the area, and so I went down to the street party, and the woman that was running it with a mother of a, I wouldn't call him a friend, somebody I knew at school, said, came to me immediately and said, you better behave yourself. And um, probably rightly so, really, but... Um, <laughs> you don't have to say it, though, do you? Probably rightly so. But, you know, th- th- there was a sense of un- I wasn't very welcome. I felt unwelcome at the time. And, I, and, and hence, I still remember it to this day, right? I remember this moment with this woman. I won't say her name. Um, and I, but, but, no, I'm not Phil. <laughs> In the week, remember in my blog Phil, I talked about talking well of people, right? Talking well of people behind, particularly when they're not present, um, which I'm sure we all struggle with sometimes, don't we, Phil? And um, but anyway, I felt really unwelcome. And today we're talking about welcome, welcome to someone, or not welcome. Jesus welcomes. I want you to get a key. Have you got a key? Get yourself a. Do- you've got your door key. Just hold your door key, or if you've got, put your hand in your pocket. Your door key, right? Jesus welcomes us. This is your key, right? Jesus gives you a key, and he welcomes you into his home. He welcomes you. And we're to celebrate that. This woman, as we're going to see in a minute, was given the key. She was given forgiveness and hospitality and a welcome by Jesus. And it causes her to overflow with praise and worship. But then there's a second thing that should follow that, as you see in this story, is that we offer this key to others. We are hospitable ourselves, because if it just stops with us, if God welcomes sinners home, which is what we are, if he welcomes us home, then how are we not, how can we not be generous to sinners and welcome them home, no matter what state they're in? As this woman, as you'll see, is an example of that. So let's read from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. When one of the... Could you get me some water, darling? Do you mind? Um, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, likely a prostitute, learned that Jesus was was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, poured perfume on them. Just see the extravagance. It's almost indecent, isn't it, with its overflowing. You know, she's so close and intimate and and outpouring of generosity to Christ. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, this was his response, right? He said to himself, so this is secret, but God knows the secrets of our hearts. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is. And she is a sinner so she's unclean you see how dare you touch an unclean person when phil spoke a, a few weeks ago he talked about jesus touching the young man who had died and raised him from death well in that situation in that context he was considered it was considered to make yourself unclean if you touch a dead body you see jesus reached out to the unclean, makes them clean, makes them alive. He accepts them. This is what we're seeing here, is aren't we? And then so he would know who was touching him. And this is, this, is, this is this poignant moment, this, this powerful response. Jesus answered him. Jesus answered him. Although he's not said this out loud, remember, it's in his heart. Jesus answered him. Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed. And he gives this parable. A parable is a story with a spiritual meaning. Two people owed, money a, certain, owed a money, a certain money lender money. So one owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. On my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has healed you, go in peace. Now, maybe you've experienced feeling unwelcome. I hope you haven't this morning coming here, but you may have been, if you're new here, you may have felt like, can I go there? Will I be made to feel welcome? Will I know what to do? How do I behave in church? Will they accept me? Any new situation creates anxiety often, doesn't it? Going to a new school, new college... New street, moving, creates anxiety within us. Will I be welcome? We all we all we've all felt that, haven't we? Maybe we feel unwelcome at work. I remember having a job where I felt unwelcome. I don't know if it was because I was a Christian. I I am open about my faith. Who knows? Maybe in your own home you feel unwelcome. Maybe in your flat share. You feel unwelcome and you have to stay, you feel like you have to stay in your room. Maybe at the street party, you feel unwelcome. Maybe in this country, in this nation, or the nation you come from, you feel unwelcome. Maybe you just feel like an outsider. Today we see that these religious leaders were rejecting both Jesus and this woman. Jesus was often unwelcome. He was often rejected. That's why he's going to be crucified. And you see throughout Luke an increasing tension and an increasing hatred of Jesus Christ. And you see it maybe under the surface. You obviously had that that moment where where Simon says if he was a prophet, he would know. But under the surface, there's hidden um, hints here that he was unwelcome. So he was invited to this dinner, you would have thought, yes, Jesus is obviously being celebrated by being invited to a dinner, but really, he is under suspicion, and they are looking to find out more about Jesus, because they are suspicious of him. And we read in this that they basically did not show him any hospitality, the hospitality and the culture that he was entering into, there were certain things they didn't do, which showed that he wasn't being welcomed. He wasn't being offered the key, as it were. Whatever I did with the key, he wasn't being offered that key. He wasn't being welcomed. He was rather being suspicious, being being um, that he was under their suspicion. So we read, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, you did not give me any water for my feet. So washing feet. No, that was neglected. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You see, she was being hospitable to Christ. You did not kiss me. A kiss of friendship, a kiss of welcome. No, she didn't. She, they didn't offer Jesus that. But she did. Since the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. She is hospitable. You did not put oil on my head. Again, another mark of friendship and welcome. She put perfume on my feet. So she's extravagantly hospitable to Christ. They are just suspicious if you see below the surface. The people that should know how to be hospitable, the people that should should know who Christ is. The signs, the wonders, the teaching, they should see and welcome. He is God amongst us. He is the Messiah come amongst us. No, they're just suspicious and reject Him. Where she sets us an example of being hospitable to Christ and welcoming Him. And we must all grow in that of welcoming Him. Even this morning, as we are in worship, right? How welcoming. Were we of Christ? Jem said it in his his, uh, reading that may the words of my mouth, but also the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Now, only God knows the heart, but we know that what we do physically and what we do with our mouths, as with this woman, will reflect something of what's happening in the heart. The body often shows our singing, our extravagance, now, we come from different cultural backgrounds, so that may be expressed differently. But there will be something, but ultimately God is looking at the heart. How welcoming were we this morning of Christ? How, how hospitable were we to him today and every day in our lives? Such a, she sets us such a beautiful example. Now, in our culture, we might say, for example, not being invited... You know, we all get, we're all not invited sometimes. You know, you see the, the everyone's having a great time, it's on social media, I had a great time. Why wasn't I invited? Did you ever get that? Is it just me. Is it just me? No. It's, it's, we all feel that, right? That's why we have to be very careful about what we put on social media. And what, you know, because I'm not saying you shouldn't put stuff on social media, but just be careful and thoughtful of other, other people as well, because, um They can feel rejected by what we put on. People don't invite us. People aren't friendly, aren't welcoming. People don't shake of the hand or whatever it might be. No offer of a drink or a cup of tea. No conversation. People don't speak to you. I trust as a church when people come here who are exploring faith or are new to the community here that we go out of our way to make them feel welcome. How can we... Make new people feel welcome. As we, Jesus has offered us the key, do we offer the key? Do we welcome people? To the, according to, and this is going to be application later, but I'll jump ahead. According to your, you know, the resources you have, do you use them? We've got different homes, different size of homes, different opportunities to be hospitable, haven't we? But as God has blessed you, Are you overflowing with generosity with what you've got and the wealth you've got to welcome people? Do we build genuine friendships with people who are new to this community? This is what we're meant to be doing, isn't it? And I know we all love to talk to our friends and we all feel most comfortable talking to the friends who are closest to us at church on a Sunday morning. And that's great to catch up. But let's be like this woman, welcoming to Christ, but also toward this woman, welcoming Christ. Sinners who are coming home. So we often, Jesus knows what it's like to feel unwelcome. He empathizes with you. It's something we all go through. Friends, we all feel it. We must forgive. But learn from it as well. The pain we feel when we feel rejected. Rather than let it turn into bitterness, let it be a lesson to us. Yes, as I feel pain when i'm rejected or feel unwelcome may i may that fuel me to be somebody who like christ welcomes people as best i can according to the resources i've got we can't do everything but we can do some things and today my lesson simply is this those who experience the grace and welcome of god in the gospel will overflow in worship And offer a generous welcome to all. Let me say that again. Those who experience the grace and welcome of God in the gospel will overflow with worship and a gracious welcome to all. So let's just think about the gospel first. The gospel, what is the gospel? The word means good news. But it's basically God inviting you to come back home. Later on in, this, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, he's going to tell the story of the prodigal son. The young man who goes out and wastes his father's money on wine, living it up, and prostitutes. But then he comes home and he is welcomed home generously. And that's what we're seeing here. This is a sinful woman. He's not pulling any punches, is he? She is a sinful woman. We're all sinners. I'm not going to tell you you're not. You are a sinner in thought, deed, sins of omission, sins of commission. We're sinners, We haven't done what we should have done, and we have done what we shouldn't have done. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We are under his judgment, and we need his forgiveness. And that is given to us in Christ, as this woman is celebrating, isn't she? I forgive you, said Jesus. And that's what caused, you know, celebration and worship doesn't come from me telling you, no, you're not really that bad, actually. God welcomes you because you're pretty good. No, celebration and worship comes from the fact you are worse than you think, but God welcomes you home. And that's what gives you dignity and wonder, because you, you, you're worse than I ever thought, and, he's, and he, he's forgiven me everything. Isn't that wonderful? So this is the gospel, and it's wonderfully summarized in this parable of the two debtors, one owes about a a year-and-a-half's wages, one owes about two months' wages. But the point being, yes, there are different levels of goodness and badness. Some people do do better things than others, and some people do do worse than others. We could just have to look at our news, don't we? And look at the situations that are happening around us. And some people do terrible things. Some people do less terrible things. But the point Jesus is making is, whoever you are, whether you do more worse things or you do more good things, you both have a debt you cannot pay. This Simon and his friends, these religious leaders who are seeking to keep the law of God with precision have a debt that cannot be paid before God and the woman who lived a sinful life whatever that means also had a debt that could not be paid we are all bankrupt but the money lender who lets them off is the one who pays the price right who pays the debt the money lender, he's the one who pays. He takes the loss. And it's true with us. We, before God, are sinners. He takes the debt by going to the cross. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He takes the debt that we could not pay. Pays it for us by going to the cross. And that's what causes us to overflow because we've been forgiven a debt we could never pay. Welcomed home by our Heavenly Father. That's the gospel, beautifully summarized in that parable there in the story. And it causes us to overflow with worship. When we truly understand the gospel, the good news that God pays the debt we could not pay... By going to the cross for us, it causes us to overflow, like this woman, with praise and worship. And it's one of these signs that you understand the gospel is that you worship God. You praise God. You are overflowing with praise for God. You are thankful to God that He paid that debt for you. How do I know? How do you know if you're a Christian? One of the big ways is, I love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. It's very simple, isn't it? Can you say that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Is that is that true of you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I was so far from you. Now, you meant that the vocabulary, you may not have all, you know, you may be new to church and so on, and these things develop over time, but... If you can simply say, yes, you died for me, Jesus, thank you. This is the debt. You paid the debt. Then you are a Christian, aren't you? So wonderful. He's Jesus, your Savior. And we overflow with worship. Gratitude leads to overflowing worship. He says here, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her love has shown. But whoever has Been forgiven little, loves little. When you understand the infant that the holiness of God, the holiness of God, holiness of God, that means he's perfection. When you understand how high and perfect he is, and how sinful we are, and to see that we've been reconciled to that God by his own death, how many sins have been forgiven causes us to overflow with praise and hospitality to Christ. We welcome him. Every morning we say, welcome Jesus, come into my life again. When we go to to church, we are welcoming Jesus, overflowing with Jesus. A Christian church should be overflowing with the gospel, right? Every time we meet, it should be the center. We should be thinking, Jesus, you have died for us. We're the people of God because you've died for us. That should be the center of what we do when we gather together. And if you listen to preachers, if Jesus' death on the cross for you to reconcile you to God does not come out regularly, then I I am suspicious of those preachers and teachers. Jesus should be the hero. Jesus should be made much of by the teachers we listen to. A lot of teachers make much of money, don't they? We talked about money today, and it is an important subject, so I don't want to knock it. just talked a lot about money. Some teachers talk a lot about healing, and healing's an important subject. Talk a lot about deliverance. Talk about a lot of different subjects. Success. That's another big one, isn't it? How to be successful in life. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with some success. We have to be careful what, how we define success. As we saw last week about John the Baptist, He was in the wilderness, and he was not in fine clothes and palaces, didn't he? Jesus made that point, but he was successful. But the point I'm making is this. Jesus should be the center, and his death and resurrection should be the center. Every time we get together in our community groups, in our prayer meetings, in church, Jesus' death and resurrection should be central to all that we do not that other subjects aren't important and they come into it, but they're they are put in the proper context. When you put that first, everything else goes around it. Gratitude for Jesus, overflowing gratitude like this woman. The converse is true as well. If we're self-righteous, if we think we're better than others, if we think we're forgiven little, now, maybe you don't even realize it, but one, th- one way you can tell if you think you've been forgiven little and you think you're better than others, one way to see it is by the way we talk about others. It's all about other people and not self-examination. It's All about others. The world's problems are because other people. And there are other people doing prob- things wrong, but we start by looking self-examination and also... By the way, we're we're just not overflowing with worship. We're not thankful to Jesus. We're not praising him because our many sins have been forgiven. And may Jesus humble us today to come back to him and see that we are forgiven much. So we come to the gospel, and the gospel causes us to overflow with praise. But it also causes us to be gracious to others. That's the second bit, isn't it? As Jesus invites us home, forgives us, shows us hospitality, and, and, and we overflow with praise and worship. But there's a second thing. We offer the key to others. We're hospitable and, and, and loving. As we have been loved, we love others. It must be the case. There must be a parallel to it. How can we be forgiven by God and welcomed by him and then not be loving and welcoming to others? How? The two two have got to be be in balance. Understanding the gospel makes us gracious. It's easy, isn't it, to look at the news and to look at people out there who make us feel uncomfortable and to become hateful of people who are different, maybe with different values and look different to us and behave differently to us. It's easy to become threatened, isn't it? And that's true for every one of us. We can feel threatened by other people who are different. But it's so important we learn from this to love and be hospitable to everybody, kind to everybody. Try and seek to bring them to Christ, like this woman. Jesus says this in Luke 6. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be called children of the most high. If, you are, if we're children of God, this is how we will do it. It says here, he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked, but be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So that's how we know if we're children of God, we will be like our Heavenly Father who showed us mercy, so we show mercy to others. That's the kind of people we should be. That's the kind of community we should be. That's the kind of church this this city needs. The multitudes need. They are sheep without a shepherd. They need us to love them. And to welcome them home. So the band's going to come up. Let me just ask a few questions in finishing. Those who experience God's grace, as we've seen, and the welcome of God in the gospel will, o- will overflow with worship And will offer a gracious welcome to all. Are we still amazed at God's grace? Are you amazed at God's grace? Are you amazed at God's grace? If you're not amazed at God's grace, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask him to help you. I say, Lord, I'm not as amazed. I'm not like this woman. I'm not overflowing with praise for you in my morning devotions. In fact, I can't even be bothered to have morning devotions. I can't, I can't even be bothered to go to church and worship you, Lord. In fact, I can't even be bothered to pray. That's how we can feel, I think. Isn't it? We can feel like that. I, I can't even be bothered. I'm bored with things. And as you go on in the Christian faith, there is a great opportunity for you to go deeper and deeper and more loving and more loving, but you can also become cynical. I've just turned 50, right? I know you're amazed at that. I've just turned 50 recently, and there is a, statistically, people like me of my sort of age often fall away and become cynical, fall away from church, fall away from faith. Whereas once they used to be on fire for Jesus, they no longer. You no, know, no, they'd rather, rather move to the country and and live a comfortable life. I'm I'm tempted to do that. Look at this woman here, over. You can do that in the country, by the way. You can overflow in worship. But you know, God. Can. It's all right, Matt. Yes, yeah, it's all right, Matt. You can do that. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying I'm, I'm the worst-case scenario is we try to escape and run away and think that, you know, that life is better over there. Now, the heart needs to be connected to God. That's where joy is, right? Joy is in God. He's Jesus the way, the truth, the life. He gives us joy. That's where connect, connecting with him. That's where true joy is, not escape. And we can become cynical, and may this woman... May we become more like this woman, more and more, overflowing with hospitality to Christ. May my prayer life, my worship life become more and more, it, not necessarily at a show. I'm not, I'm not saying you should dance and do all that sort of stuff, but certainly inside may the fire grow. And maybe we'd lift our hands. Maybe we could clap, right? Maybe we could be exuberant. That's, that's okay as well, isn't it? Yeah, we should, we should have some exuberance around here when we understand these things. Are we overflowing with hospitality to Christ? Is he welcome in our lives? Do we give him our time? Do we give him our loving worship? Do we talk to him in prayer? Do we talk to him? I don't mean the place of pray you know like talking at God like a machine gun I mean, do you talk to God? Jesus, Jesus, thank you for being here today. Oh, I'm getting distracted. Okay, Let me bring my mind back to it. Jesus, talking to Jesus. Well, no, no, just talk to Christ. Welcome him, love him, sing new songs to him. Be with Christ. When we come together as a church, still Jesus welcoming people to faith how can we be hospitable to Christ and to those who are exploring faith and are new to this church let's stand together Jesus ends this uh, moment by saying your faith has saved Go in peace. Go in in peace. If you've done this, if you've put your faith on Christ, you have peace. And Jesus says to you today, go in peace. The world may be full of wars and difficulties. Even the people like Simon may still hate you and reject you. Your family may be difficult. Your friends may be difficult. You may not be invited. But Jesus, who is God, speaks over all that and says to you today, live in my peace. Live in my peace. Not dependent on anything else, but on God himself saying to you, you have peace. As we meet Christ, that's what he says to us. My peace I give you. My peace I speak over you. Whatever's going on in your life, His peace. And you see the beauty of that hospitality. When we come to Jesus, He feeds us with peace that you need. And the devil would want you to distract you from it. But when anybody who comes to Him, have fresh peace from Him. We're going to worship now. We're going to come to Christ, experience His joy. Yes.